2: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason
0: Greger on DailyFaceOff.com.
2: Welcome to episode 281 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Batano.ca. The game starts now. You're like NHL, you got lots going on. Of course, uh, the NBA back in uh, full swing. You can go on parlays, you can go on player prop bets. They got it all. Have fun in the game at Batano.ca. CA, happy uh, Monday. I'm Jason Greger. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli As we are 11 days away from the NHL trade deadline, uh, there hasn't been a trade since Sean Monahan uh, early in February, and uh, we got three days left. Frank, are we going to go
3: tradeless for the rest of February? Um,
2: sure, seems like it.
3: Man, the odds would be against that, but it does feel like that. I don't. Look, it's always the kiss of death to say this, especially on a recorded podcast that some may not listen to for two or three days. But I don't know of anything right at this exact moment in time that's front burner.
2: Yeah. I spoke to a GM yesterday who said it's I he's surprised it's actually been kind of quiet. It's like, I don't know if everybody's just waiting or or if the or the fact that there's little cap space available, Frank, for all
3: those top teams. It's not the cap space. Nope. Yeah. No, it's Everyone that I talk to doesn't really like the market. High prices for guys that may not be impact players. Yeah, well, and that's fair. And, that, and to me, that's
2: always the, uh, you know, that's always the game you play. No GM is going to come out and say, "Whoo, I really like the price point. And man, there's some great players available. <laughs> no chance, but I think it's a combination. I do think the cap space plays a factor a little bit. Uh, With so teams having so little Uh, now a team like Toronto has lost because of Klingberg on LTIR, but they've won seven in a row. So they don't feel like they have to rush. I still think that they're going to make some deals. No question in my mind, but maybe you're not, the urgency isn't there. And um, part of me is like, you know what? I'd rather a mass flurry in the, uh, in the days leading up to the deadline, make it more fun.
3: I'm, I'm I'm I know there will be moves like oh yes we can't there's I think there's a zero percent chance that Colorado Edmonton and Dallas don't make any moves to say nothing of Vegas that's at least four teams right there that I'd be stunned if they don't do anything New York Rangers same category I'm sure the Florida Panthers will find a way to add I know the Toronto Maple Leafs would like to what is what's Steve Eiserman and the Detroit Red Wings up to after a a thrilling week and a couple magical performances from Patrick Kane like there's plenty of teams that want to do stuff that we'll see we'll see things happen it's a matter of when
2: yeah no that's fair and there is one team Frank I think after this weekend reality should set in for that organization and it's not just about this year I think it's about the future and a player, when when you consider the, the people I've talked to, there's there's much more interest in wanting to acquire players with term if you can. And I look at the New York Islanders' strength; they cannot bring the band. Everything we said at the start of the year has come to fruition on the New York Islanders. Everything. Now I've been wrong on a lot of other teams, but I was right about the uh, about them. And they they brought back the exact same team that missed the playoffs. Right now, I and yeah, well, we traded for both. You had Bo Horvat for a long time. Okay, it's not an argument. It's the same team. And the one guy, Frank, if I was the Islanders, and I think he would have lots of interest from other teams, is Brock Nelson. And it's not that I'm trading Brock Nelson because he isn't good, but they need to get some other. They need to retool that team. They have no choice. And I don't think they have a lot of guys that have trade value. But he has trade value, and uh, you could get him for two for two runs. If I'm the Islanders. I would look at if I was other teams, I would start calling to see what the interest
1: would be,
3: man. It just, it goes against everything that it feels like the Islanders think, which is they have a better team. Like we have this mound of evidence to suggest that the Islanders are just a mediocre to below average team. And they're clinging to this idea of four years ago, they went to back-to-back East finals and that if they get in, they could get there. And some of it's on the strength of their goalie. I, every single move that they've made, whether it's been trading for and then extending Horvat or all of the guys that they've re-signed and kept, I know that Lou Lamorello is loyal, but it seems like almost to a fault now. Like, how many times do you need to see the same thing before you realize that this team is just okay? The Islanders are who they are. The definition of mid. Yeah, like
2: the last three years, Frank, including this season, the Islanders are 20th in points percentage. They have 102 wins in 221 games. They don't even win half their games. That's who they are. And and because that core has been the same core, they have an elite goalie. It doesn't matter. Right. It's, it's just how it is. And, and they need to to wake up and realize that that's who they are. Right. They're not they're not good enough. Point blank. They're simply not good enough. They're 26th in offense, Frank. What do we say? They can't score. You can have the best goalie around, but you can't score. You can't win. Like they're 2.88 goals for 2.89 goals against. Right. And they're considered a defensive team. They're 26th in the NHL in offense. And they still have allowed more goals than they score. Like, I'm sorry. That's just, they're not good enough. Now, defensively, I think they're 10th in that time. So that's fine. But it's not good enough because you're not, you can't outscore your good defense. Like, it's a reality check for the Islanders. And if they don't, their fans need to be calling for this because their team is not improving. It's not. And who's the young guys that are coming?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not seeing it.
2: Yeah, like... Honestly, Brock Nelson, if I was an opposing GM, it makes a lot of sense. He makes a lot of sense. He's a really good player. I'm not saying that that you trade him because he's not good. You're trading him because he's going to help you because he can't help you. Like, he isn't good enough. He's not an elite player. He's not a superstar player, but he's a really good top six forward. Like, really good.
3: And, and Cal Clutterbuck would be as good as any bottom six forward you could add. Yep. Yeah, they got and they, he's a guy that for whatever reason chips in an odd number of playoff goals for someone who barely scores more than five a year. Yeah. In 2021, he had as many goals in the postseason as he did in the regular season. <laughs> I don't know why that is. He's got 12 career playoff goals. Yeah, like they and that's
2: their problem. Like he's a pet in UFA, uh, so is Matt Martin. Um, guys like Mike Riley, Sebastian Ajo, Robert Bortuzzo, like. But wouldn't are you really be shocked if they end up
3: selling? I would.
2: Well, I'll be. No, I'll be shocked if they don't sell, because there's if they don't sell, then guess what? It's time for them to make a GM change because he's clearly he, he's clearly out of touch with where today's NHL is. If he doesn't sell some pieces off at the deadline,
3: they are. Nine points back with three games in hand.
2: Yeah, and how many teams ahead of them? One, two, three. Yeah, well, technically four, right? Because you got to catch Detroit or or Tampa or technically right. Philly, right? So you got to jump four teams. Not happening, right? Like, yeah, they're 30.
3: technically seven points back with two games in hand. Yeah, they are. Both uh, the wild card teams are from the Atlantic right now. Yeah, so if you go to Philly, right, like. It's
2: not um and it's two games in hand on Philly, so i uh um I don't see it like they're three, four and three in their last ten. they're going nowhere um you know, Patrick Watt came in, and you know, good for him, but he's not a miracle worker like you you can't just magically have high end offensive guys if you don't have high
3: end offensive guys <laughs> right minus twenty eight goal differential, yeah, they can't score, so. Sixteen regulation wins. Oh, dude! Like no but adoption. The Sens have a three more than that. Yes, yeah. The Islanders, sorry,
2: Islander fans, They're... your team isn't competitive. You have a great fan base, but you should be demanding change. It's don't I L- what Lou's done in New Jersey is irrelevant to today. It's Irrelevant. Uh, what no, you, I did, what you fair... did three years ago for the
3: Islanders is irrelevant today. I. You know, it's funny that you mentioned. All that, because yesterday I was working on my story. uh, Jake Gensel is today's trade deadline countdown. And I was looking at the market and I was looking back for Gensel. Like, what is a trade? What is a proper trade comp for Jake Gensel? And I was looking and I said, well, Bo Horvat traded north of a point per game in his contract year. I know he's a center. That's probably a pretty decent trade comp. But then I was thinking for a larger picture, like how just how kind of bad that return is for a player relative to the rest of the market. Meaning like there's a really odd thing about the way the NHL trade deadline works is you could see Sean Monahan go for not much more than what Jake Gensel returns, which is, It's really odd. Like if you go back and you look at the last 15 years of deadline history, it is incredibly rare, insanely rare that a point per game impact player, let alone a goal scorer of Gensel's caliber becomes available. Yet there's not typically a huge, massive return for those guys. The two best comps that I could come up with were the Bo Horvat trade and the Matt Duchesne trade from Ottawa to Columbus. But even then, Duchesne going from Ottawa to Columbus brought the Sens a first-round pick, Vitaly Abramov and Jonathan Davidson. Those two guys combined to play 11 total NHL games for the Sens, so they were nothing. Yeah. And the first-round pick was 21st overall. I mean, it's fine, but like... For a point per game winger, it's an odd, it's an it's a really odd development in the market that I can't quite put my finger on why. Like you would think that because that's the case that more teams would then be involved to try and get those higher end players that rarely become available. Do you have any yeah. theory as to what that is? And by the way, the reason I went to that and was explaining it is because I was thinking back to the Canucks trade and how They didn't really get a lot for Horvat and what you said about Lou Lamorello and what he's done in New Jersey being irrelevant to Long Island, just because the Canucks then went and took that pick from the Horvat trade and went out and got Philip Aaronic. That's irrelevant to the return that they got for Horvat. What you do with that pick after the fact is utterly irrelevant. It's what did you get in the moment? And it was a first round pick 17th overall but you also had to retain a quarter on Horvat. You took on Anthony Beauvillier's four million to make the money work, and you got Atu Ratu. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And Bovillier
3: may, may not be anything.
2: Yeah, Beauvillier's already gone um, to uh, Chicago. It's kind of a salary dump. Um, I you but so know, think about
3: that. That's the one of the best players traded in the last five years. Yeah. At the time, Horvat had 29 goals in 34 games. Yeah. Well, and
2: I think part of it's this um, when it's an expiring contract, you're acquiring a guy who's older and now you're going to have to pay him huge money if you want to retain him, Right. And so you look at Gensel and, and I, and if actually, if we just look at stats alone, Gensel's offensive numbers are much better than Bo Horvat's, right. Historically in his career, right. He's a two time 40 goal score, had 36,
3: 80 yeah, four points. Four of the seven, last eight. five years, he has a North of a point per game. Yeah. And um, look, is, he, he had one great year and is back to being a really nice 55 to 60 point center. Yeah, that's what he is. And, and Jake Gensel. So you look at teams right now, Frank, I think, you know,
2: cap, even if, you know, he's a pen in UFA. So even if Pittsburgh retains half, right, you, you still look and say, but there's no guarantee because at the time of the trade, unless it's a sign in trade, there's no hundred percent guarantee you get to make you get to retain his rights. Right, so now the team's like, geez, do I want to give up this much for a guy who I might not, I might not have? Like, look at what Edmonton, because there's not many players that get traded with lots of term, right? That are good players. But Matthias Ekholm last year, they gave up Tyson Berry, you know, cap space, whatever to make it work. Then uh, a 32nd overall pick in Reed Schaefer, and then a first round pick that year and a fourth, right? Like, and and Reed Schaefer wasn't a high end prospect at the time. Right. And that's for a guy with three years left on his deal at a set number. Like I, I think only during the season, Frank, the teams that trade those players historically don't get as much as you would in the summertime.
3: I, I It's a bizarre factor of the market. Like I personally, I think having no term is, is a good thing in this case. And I think having the term that the Oilers got uh, this is, and I'm in the minority on this, but I don't, I don't really want to know what Matthias Ekholm looks like in the last year of his deal because I don't think he's going to age well. Yeah, he might not, but if, but you're
2: looking if you get three good playoff runs from him, you're fine.
3: Yeah, okay, but you're still going to have to contend with the last year of the deal, and you should still be in a competitive window to win. The Gensel thing is going to be fascinating because whoever gets him or whoever signs him, he's been criminally underpaid at 6 million bucks for the last number of years relative to market. So you're going to have a guy who wants to cash in one Mm -hmm. and two. He's going to be 30 years old when he plays on your team for the first time under that new deal. Yeah. It's going to be hugely problematic. I'm not saying he's like, I think he could age just fine. He's, he skates incredibly well. He's in the 93rd and 94th percentile for speed bursts. His mind is sharp. He's, you know it's one thing to get to those areas. It's another thing to, you know, arrive on time and find soft space, which he does really well. But seven or eight years taking him to 37 or 38, at what number probably starts with a
2: nine? Yeah, I I think the one thing Gensel has in his favor, he's only played 500 NHL games. He doesn't have a lot of, you know, tread on his tires, not aware. And so let's say you sign him, and for the first six years he plays every game, he's still not at 1,000 games yet, right? So that's kind of a little bit of an advantage for him, I think. You know, a little bit of a late starter in the league, so there's not as much, you know, wear and tear on on his body. Um, But my point is,
3: it's going to be not just acquisition wise, but cap wise, it's a significant transaction. Oh, that's why I don't, I think honestly, Jake Gensel,
2: I think your initial point is right. And that's why I kind of want to say, so in your process, did you have a list of the three best fits for JK? Like what are the three most realistic landing spots for Jake Gensel in your eyes?
3: So let me uh, just pull up my list here. Cause I have, i think i listed seven teams total right like and i had one sort agreeing, of really really wacky guess. one yeah like arizona is my really wacky wild card oh yeah no that's not happening not his as a dad, dad like. his dad works there as a pro scout they obviously would know him really well they need difference makers and more than that um the coyotes have not just the cap space, but the picks and prospects to be perhaps the best trade partner you can find, but it doesn't make any sense to do it now for them. That's the problem. Now, did that come with the caveat, Frank? Was that the Arizona coyotes or
2: the Utah? Oh, I see where you're going there. Right. And cause think about it. If, if you're, you're now the new owner, let's say they move teams in may, right. And I'm using may because that's when it was announced that Atlanta was going to Winnipeg. And if that happens now you're that team and you come July 1st, you're in a new city and you're like, Hey, we need a guy who's got some name recognition. We're going to bring in Jake and we're going to overpay him because we have more we, cap space yeah, than any team in the league. Right. Right. So that one would make sense
3: as a free agent signing trade. Probably not, but like Colorado, but this needs may be him. your only chance to get him. That's the other part that you have to consider. Yeah. Fair. But wow. Well, You'd have to do it as a sign. I'd have to, if I'm Arizona and I'm, I just don't, I can't see that happening with them. I can't see with everything in flux that their owner says, Hey, here's, you can have a $70 million line item that we're going to commit to, which may be part of a sale. No one wants that on their books. No, no. so even though the new owner would buy the team, Frank, and then turn around in
2: the first and do the same thing, yeah, do the same thing. They don't want it existing because it wasn't their idea. Yes, I understand how that 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 makes a lot of sense.
3: And they they don't have a defenseman under contract
2: next season on their NHL roster. They got some RFAs who can't really walk. But, yeah, I see your point. Uh, So, again, so anyway, Colorado needs him desperately. Right. Like they got Uh, one of the teams,
3: but I wouldn't say they're the best fits. So I've got my teams are Arizona, Carolina, Colorado, Detroit, Edmonton, Florida, New York Rangers, Vancouver Canucks, and Vegas Golden Knights. If I had to pick three best fits, it would be Vegas, Detroit, and Carolina. Hmm. See, I think
2: Carolina really needs a center.
3: Yeah, but ca- how many times over? Yeah, and I know, over they again? need a Have score. We, you're right. You said you need, uh, you've blasted them saying you, you're, you need a superstar difference maker. But I don't think he's that. I think he's closer to Sebastian Ajo. So you, so I, I do agree really that he's a good player. I don't think he's a complimentary elite. player. Yeah, I think he's elite. I think he's, I, that's I, I the I don't really think fascinating part about the Gensel thing is I think I, lo- I looked it up over the last two seasons, he's only played 100 minutes total. Without Sidney Crosby,
2: yeah, plays a lot with Sid, and that helps. Um, but he's also a pretty good player. Like I've had, uh, you know, Mike Rupp, who covers all their games, says, "Hey, you know, like he he does, he has success not just because of Sid. He brings a lot of Sid success too. He works well with him, yep. according to Rupper, and he sees him way more than Look, I do.
3: The 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 numbers are undeniable. Jake Gensel fifth in the league in. Scoring chances, sixth in shots from the slot, ninth in shots from the inner slot, and ninth in deflections. Only four players, five players in the league have a higher expected goals per 60 minutes than Gensel. Pasternak, Matthews, John Tavares, and Zach Hyman.
2: Yeah. Oh, no, he goes, Give uh, Gensel goals, goes where the goals are scored. There's no question uh, about that. Um, so Detroit, Detroit with an extension,
3: though. That makes yeah, sense. That's a fascinating one. Yes, it does. Carolina, they've got cap space because their whole team is in flux. They've got Tara Vinen up this year. They've got Brett Pesci and Brady Shea up on their back end. They're,
2: they're- see, for me, if it's me, if you get Jake Gensel, you're getting more of the same in Carolina. And that's why I wouldn't do it.
3: But what if you, what if, what if Aho? it plays the role of Sid?
2: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he he might be the best option uh, of guys available over the next few years. You could be right. Um,
3: Seriously, tell me where they're going to get another. Tell me where they're going to get a 40 goal scorer.
2: Yeah, well, he is a 40 goal scorer twice, that's fair. Um, He's probably a little bit higher than some, but he he probably makes the most sense for a fit in Carolina because they're good as is. So they would add another like, and he's probably the most dangerous scorer to their team. Right, he's a better scorer than any goal scorer they have. I think that's a fair statement. So, yeah, he would make sense there. Yeah, the other teams like Edmonton could really Vegas. use him, but Edmonton probably has other issues they'd like to address too. Because if they get Gensel, that kind of that they're putting all their bullets in yeah, one. Yeah, it,
3: kill, it kills everything else that they might want to do for the most part. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm really not convinced that Edmonton needs him. Like, how well, different know. is Gensel than Evander Kane? Yeah, fair. How but, different is Gensel than Zach Hyman? Well, yeah.
2: I think they're different. I think Gensel
3: can score a little bit more from distance, but the, the thing is having one but on each really. line. Not really. Like, look at all the things I just said to you. Yeah. He, he's neck and neck with Hyman in all of those categories.
2: Yeah. But having one on each line, Frank, I think right now there's a big hole in Emmonson. Like they don't they have five top six players, not six.
3: But is that is that their biggest need? Good question um i think they need more true authentic defenders
2: why well, dude i've i i wrote it three weeks ago that if if it was me i would have went out and got Nick Dowd and beck malenstein together as a duo out of washington that doesn't cost you a lot uh, i know it even might cost you a first rounder but you get nicked out at 1.3 million for two years I think that, and you get Beck Malenstein, I would do that. Because that, Eight Edmonton needs more sandpaper and defensive awareness and some offensive creativity in their bottom six. Dowd can score. Like, look at Dowd's numbers. He had 13 goals, five on five last year. That's really good for a bottom six player in today's NHL. It doesn't get power play time. That's all five on five. And he takes all the, he can take all the tougher. I mean, he doesn't have to take all with McDavid, but he can take a lot of tough minutes. Even if it's one or two shifts a period, that saves McDavid or Drysaddle from the other team's best line, that uh, that allows you then to put them out against the other team's bottom six guys, and that's a mismatch massively for Edmonton. So, yeah, I do think that's their number one priority. That and a number, they need another veteran defenseman just for depth, More, but that's pretty easy, I think, to find. So mm-hmm. that's what I think there's our Gensel. Gensel would be a really nice addition, but if you look at the history, I'm not sold that the Orders would give up a first for a guy that they have virtually no chance of re-signing.
3: Yeah, it's a another great point. There's no way they could really fit him in,
2: and I don't think Jake Gensel. I don't know I just lots of American guys don't sign in Canada. That's just a
3: fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say that they're they they can't afford him. That's the easiest no. way to say it. No, no need to even go into the American part.
2: Yeah, um, a few other uh, guys near, near the top of your list, Frank of of trade guys. If you look at best partners uh, available. And like Noah Hannafin, you talked, you you were the first one that, that, you know, that had the, the Tampa Bay connection to Hannafin. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you see like for him and Tanev, who do you think are their top three most realistic fits?
3: Uh, I'll start with Tanev. I'll say Dallas. Toronto. And... Ooh, I'm torn between Van, Winnipeg, and Florida.
1: Oof.
2: Yeah, see, Winnipeg is the one that that that's the team that came for me. Is I I think Winnipeg's good, and Winnipeg's gonna win with defense. That's you know, and I know they went on got Sean Monahan, but look at all their numbers. Defense is is their that's their calling card. So why not improve the the area that you want to play the best? And that's what Tana would do for the Jets.
3: Hmm. I mean, he'd be good anywhere. I just think Dallas needs a different element. Okay. I said this the other day. Twenty second in the league in block shots. Tanev is second personally. That just makes sense. He he's different than the rest of their D men. And if
2: Calgary can get you know Winnipeg and Dallas in a little bit of a bidding war, maybe somehow you squeak out a you know something else in that deal because you look at that central division frank my goodness that is tight amongst those three teams
3: yeah i I think the clear best fit for me is dallas but i also really like the idea of him going back to van yeah they could use one more defenseman they've had some injury issues with susie who's working his way back I don't know. Yeah. What about Hannafin? Hannafin's a lot tougher. I'm really having a hard time with that market for Hannafin. I honestly think, Frank,
2: I I don't think the return is going to be as big as some people think. You just, for what you alluded
3: to earlier, I don't think it's going to be that big. I think the flames are already coming to grips with the, with the idea that it's not going to be. Yeah. Because a lot of the teams that would be in the mix don't have the assets. Bingo. Boston, Florida, Tampa. Between the three of those teams, none of them has a first round pick this year. I think only Boston has one next year, 2025. And then Florida and Tampa don't have one until 2026. Yeah. I mean,
2: how does that help Calgary? No, Calgary, honestly, I think might be better suited to try to find a sign and trade for a non-playoff team right now. Now, Hannaford might not do it, but if he could get the guaranteed money, then, then may, that's,
3: I would at least try to explore that, that avenue right now. But what's see. his incentive to do that? He's going to get yeah, paid right. either way. Wouldn't you want to go somewhere if you have to go somewhere temporarily to a place but where if, you have a chance to win this year? Yeah. But if you look at the top teams, do a lot of them
2: really have the money to give him what he wants, even in the summertime?
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're Tampa, you could map out a way. God, I don't know how. Like they already got like nine guys for
2: 60 plus mil, but
3: I think they I have guess. $10 million. It would be t- basically trying to find a way to make 10 or $11 million work between Hannafin and Stamkos. Yeah. Which is, but then, but then you could also move someone from your team to create more. Yeah, like maybe Tampa's made hard decisions every year in the summer, moving guys out. That Ross Colton is the latest example. Last year, couldn't afford to pay him, got to move him. Yeah,
2: yeah, they could. You're right. So,
3: I mean, the like where they've well. gotten themselves into trouble is like the Connor Sherry deal, at two million bucks a year. That's yeah. a tough one. Uh, I Ten just think points this year, They're Like I, I, I still, even last year coming off a 15 goal, 37 point season, I was saying to myself in the summer, what, what does this guy do to help you? And then they give him three years. Uh, like, honestly, when I look at the Tanev and Hannafin
2: returns, Frank, I think flame fans are going to have to brace for, it's not going to be as good of a return as they think.
3: But that's, I think, why you place even more emphasis on squeezing every last drop out of the Tanev deal as possible, which I think is why he hasn't been traded yet.
2: Yeah, you could be
3: right. They're willing to risk whatever happens injury-wise, hoping that he just holds up so that they can get as much as they can for him. It's a bidding war. There's probably 10 teams in the mix that have inquired or have been seriously in it on Tanev.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully the bidding war works for them. The housing market right now, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, a few other things, Frank, from the weekend, of course. Uh, quite a night in Chicago. It's a uh, Chris Chelios night. It would happen to be the return of Patrick Kane uh, into Chicago, and of course, uh, you know, Chelios, uh, you know, addresses Patrick Kane in his speech. The crowd goes nuts. Then Kane scores the overtime winner, and um, you know, in typical Patrick Kane fashion, uh, it was quite the night. Uh, in Chicago for Chelios they brought back a lot of his teammates are on the ice and you know um you know the crowd was loving it there there hasn't been a lot of reasons to celebrate in the last few years for Chicago but man they got a pretty you know Chelios is a great player Ronan, but then you look at the three cups like they'll have uh they'll have lots of reasons to have those type of nights and that's really i think what the fans are going to be looking forward to most here for the next few years are those type of evenings
3: yeah i mean to be fair they do have Connor Bedard and they'll have a lot to look forward to um, but it'll take longer than people think,
2: Frank. I'm just pointing that out. Okay,
3: I yeah, I disagree. Um, but it was the cane ovation that got me. Like they just didn't want to sit down. He had to take three separate laps around the rink. Like it was interesting to watch, like you know, even the officials on the ice were like, Okay, do we blow the whistle here? Like, what it, it was like. It had gone on so long and was so impressive, um, the send-off that he got, that that just it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Well, you, you think
2: about what Patrick Kane, A, they win a lottery to get him. And how different their organization would have been. Because I've always said it, I felt Patrick Kane was the most important player during their cup winning years. That like Duncan Keith was very good and Jonathan Taze is very good. But to me, Patrick Kane, he especially in the playoffs, was the stone cold killer. When because you he scored goal. goals like he did in overtime. It was Patrick Kane. And and I could see why the, and he was like Patrick Kane for years, Frank, when he would get the puck in the offensive zone, he would have it download the circles and he would circle back up to the blue line. Like it was like, okay, something great's happening right now. Like I firmly believe that for longest, for many years, he was the most dangerous player in the NHL with a puck on a stick in the offensive zone. It wasn't close. And he would, and he would just, it was almost like he got the puck and he'd start circling back and he was just like, okay, here we go. And he would get excited. And it was just like, oh. It was breathtaking to watch. And I could see how the Chicago fans, who's a really good hockey market, have seen a lot of really dynamic players over the years. They understood the importance of Patrick Kane. Because I think sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, it's that team was so good. And they had Marion Hosa and Seabrook, like that a lot of really good players. But they were all there, by the way. Oh, as they should be. But Kane, to me, was always at the top.
3: So. So I would agree with you. And I would say still today, right now, I don't know how many players I would pick before Kane. If I needed a huge goal. That's fair point. I mean, honestly, how long is the list? Like I could see you making the case for Austin Matthews at the rate that he scored. Yes. Maybe McDavid, maybe dry Like, Honestly, Pasternak, who else would it be? Kane now, that that gave him the two point game gave him 28 points in 27 games, which by the way is bang on for the 85 point prediction that I had. I said 85 point pace to close out the season. Now he's still got 20 some games to go, but it looks like he's only getting, excuse me, it looks like he's only getting stronger right now. Look at the week he's had two unreal OT goals, making things happen. He look he looks like a guy to me. That's just getting his strength back. Yeah. yeah why you know, can't one, he play? Why can't he be an impact guy into until his forties? Oh, he might be, you know, the one guy actually Frank now we haven't
2: seen him in the playoffs, but one guy who scores some big timely goals really is, is Elias Pettersson in Vancouver. Um, you, you, he, he has a tendency to score the, the key goal at the key time. Now we have seen in the playoffs, it's a different animal, but I've seen that from him. He's shown signs of it, but as we all know the playoffs are a much, much different uh, story. And it's just, it's a bigger moment. Just the reality of it, right? There's way
3: there's, more on the line. Speaking of Pedersen, there's just something odd happening there. And I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but. I know the Canucks really wanted an answer by the deadline and I don't know if they're going to get it. It is. They've put the money on the table. They've basically said either way, four years, eight years, five years, whatever it is, we are going to pay you. Just tell us what you want. So what's and the hold up? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It, can, it does not make sense to me. No. Nah. I think we're reaching like the theater of the bazaar. Hmm. obviously great team right now. Yeah. One of the foundational franchise pillars. What? what more do you like? You've got the money. You've got the great team. What more do you want? Yeah. Like, and Vancouver, this is not, they don't look to me like a one-off like Vancouver with
2: Hughes and Demko and him. Like they should be poised to be a really competitive team. for are going signs for four years. Like, Take an Austin Matthews contract and go four years. Your team's going to be highly competitive for those four years. There's no guarantee on any team you sign you're going to win. So you want to be on a competitive team that you think has a good chance to win.
3: It's also a great place to live with a proud tradition of Swedes impacting their franchise. Like, I, I yeah. don't, I don't, doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. Uh, quickly,
2: Frank, another thing over the weekend, Nikita Kucherov, uh, for the second time in his career, first player in the league to score 100 points in the season, did it in 59 games, which is uh, which is pretty good. I think the only active player better is Connor McDavid, uh, did it in fewer games twice, 53 and 56. But uh, Kucherov, he has 40 more points than anyone else on his team. And there's still 20-some games left in the year. Like Nikita Kucherov, if anybody does... Like, I know everybody, hey, McDa- Matthews is going to get 70, and McDave's going to get 100 assists, and those are unreal numbers. But the, the wording of the rule, do not count out Nikita Kucherov. When you most vound him out to your team, come on. Like, he, he could easily be the frontrunner still. He should be. I know he's not in a Canadian market, and he's in Tampa Bay, and some people are tired of Tampa Bay, but I'm telling you, you can't overlook Nikita Kucherov's season, man. 40 more points, and it's not like Braden points a schmuck. Braden Point's a 50 goal scorer. Yeah. Guy scored 100 points and he's got 40 more points in Braden Point, for God's sakes.
3: So, that to me isn't the most impressive stat. When talking about Kucherov's case, it's that he's factored in on 102 of Tampa's 206 goals scored.
2: Yeah, he's, he's at the highest rate 40.
3: Was it 48%? 49.5%. Call it yeah. 50%. He yeah. Half of their entire scoring has at some point, it's come off of his stick. That's, oh, yeah, no, that's a it's pretty a impressive number. Yes, you, you, most uh, you players are lucky to get to the mid 30s. Yeah, in terms like, of the, most of, most of the team's best guys are like
2: 41, 42. I've looked at, and sometimes you get up to 45. Um, but yeah, he's at uh, he's at 49. I know he's. At, I did this a week ago and a week and a half, and he was at 47.8. So. Obviously, he's, he's got he four 95. points last night, Five. so keeps uh, growing. But yeah, it's well. You think about it; like, there's going to be. And I, I wrote about. It. To me, there's lots of guys that have strong cases, but Akita Kucherov's case is pretty damn solid.
3: Mm-hmm. Did you? It's funny. I, we we had this huge debate last Monday about the Hart Trophy, right? Yeah. And I saw you wrote about it after the fact, but you didn't include Hellebuck. You're just not a believer. No, I don't, I don't think he's I, for my ballot. He wouldn't even like, he, he
2: I don't think he would be five, right? He's very good. But to me, when you, when you miss, when you don't play in 20% of your team's games, 25% of your team's games, to me, you can't be by the word of the rule, by the wording of the rule, you can't be the most valuable to your team.
3: Damn. I I, I didn't present convincing enough argument for you no
2: no you didn't it's on me well to be honest frank i'd had the article mostly written before we did our pod and you brought up hellebuck and i and you made me think about it but i still couldn't do it for oh. me i didn't so have
3: you're to, admitting that you were a lazy editor is what you're saying no not lazy editor you i didn't still not mentioned sober. in the story like the yeah. fact that you could control f search for hellebuck and not find him in a hard trophy story to me that's yeah. incredulous you didn't yeah. even mention the case
2: no i didn't but because i thought it was a editing. four horse because to me, he'd be like, he'd be the outside horse. He's not in the top four. Okay. Uh, it's not a participation ribbon. It's not who I think is going to get a vote. Like, I do know that, hey, Frank Cervalli might have him on his ballot. But
1: mm. right.
2: would you have him in top two? That'd be the question.
3: Well, Cause, with, cause with how, how little really, Winnipeg yeah. scores, to yeah. me, he, he might be. Yeah. He might be number one.
2: Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens when your ballot comes out in, uh, in June. Uh, let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
1: That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, in store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/retail23. shopify.com/retail23.
2: Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping.
0: going on boys I got a fresh edition of <laughs> fill in the blank here for you on a Monday morning It is as always brought to you by doordash our Canadian listeners can get twenty five percent off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more all you need to do is download the doordash app and enter the promo code nation twenty five restaurants groceries more all delivered right to your door. With DoorDash, do you want the heart Trophy odds from our friends at Botano? See just how off Frank is with Hellebuck needing to be in the mix. Uh, Austin Matthews is the leader plus 150. So he's actually fallen a little bit compared to the last time we did it. Kucherov plus 250. He's tied with Nathan McKinnon there as well. Connor McDavid plus 400. Then you got to go a few more spots down to get Connor Hellebuck at 44 to one. So Matthew's still the favorite, but I think it's hard to make a case against Kucherov when you score that much more than anyone else on your team.
2: But, and Matthew's isn't even leading the score on his own team. Like, and I, and I also understand he's in the he's in the biggest market. I understand all that, but
3: come on. Yeah. Frank. <laughs> I Well, first off, there's no value in Matthew's. No and 44 to one. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. But there's great value for you, Frank. Yeah. Down. I mean, like I can't wager on the heart trophy, but if I could, I would like, that's what I would pick.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, speaking of Nikita Kucherov, 102 points in 59 games. He's on pace for whatever, 141, 142, right in that range. So your first fill in the blank, Nikita Kucherov will finish with a blank points. Jason.
2: Uh, I think I, I predicted 137 a while back. So I'll stick with that.
3: That's the first number that came into my mind, 137. But I'll go, I'll go over. I'll go 139. 139.
0: So he'll slow down. I hope he gets to 140, man. I love the numbers. The interesting thing is like, this isn't a Tampa Bay team that's like, absolutely running away with the division or the conference or anything. They're still going to have to play real hard down the stretch. Like, I don't know, maybe he won't slow down. Maybe he'll speed up a little finish with like one forty five. I just I wouldn't knock it when you consider how important these games are for the Bolts. Uh, Let's talk about a couple of teams quickly in uh, the New Jersey Devils first out east who they are slipping right now, guys, not going well for New Jersey, four, five and one in their last ten. Our friends at Botano have them at plus two fifteen to make the playoffs. Which is a percentage of about thirty-one percent, but I'll ask you guys: the New Jersey Devils have a blank percent chance of making the playoffs. Frank, I'm going to say thirty-seven. So a little bit higher than the books at thirty-seven percent.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, look, I there was an interesting headline today from Ryan Novozinski at NJ.com who covers the team, and he said it's. Time for Devil's GM Tom Fitzgerald to step up and do what's right. Fire Lindy. Sheesh. It certainly feels to me like Lindy Ruff is, is walking a tightrope. That, to be fair, part of it should be on the general manager himself. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, certainly no one's suggesting that Tom Fitzgerald, he, you know, be called into question about his job security. He just signed an extension. It's that he left this defense and goaltending incredibly vulnerable. We've talked a million times this year about how many defensemen they lost and didn't replace, and the huge seasons that were needed from both Luke Hughes and Simone Nemitz to get there. Not going to be enough. So I do think certainly roster construction is a valid question. But to me, that breakdown that we did last Monday, and I tweeted the link over the weekend from John Goyens that breakdown was ex- like so good in de- in explaining just how casual the devils are with the puck the poor attention to detail and decision making it, what seems to me like a lack of accountability and then you hear Lindy Ruff say point blank that it's the media's fault that their power play is 2 for 46 like i'm sorry what what was that? Like that to me reeks of a coach who's grasping for straws. Yeah. Greg's.
2: Yeah, um, you could make the move, but I'll say the, the question of uh, the percentage. You know, Philly's the the team they got to catch. They don't have to catch Tampa, they don't have to catch Detroit. They have to catch Philly. They're five back with one game in hand. Um, I'm gonna say they got about a 30% chance. Um I guess they could fire the coach and you know. I watched that video, Frank, and there was, there was lots of video evidence to suggest that, um, you know, systemically or the players aren't buying into the system or the system they're, they're playing doesn't encourage a little bit more attention and detail defensively. I think that was fair. So you can make the coaching change, but coaching change is one thing. Is it, uh, are you then going
3: to add, right? That, that's what I was going to have- say. That's why my number's higher. Cause I think that one of those two things is going to happen. You're either going to, add in a significant way at the deadline, either on defense or like Hannafin could be a target for them. Yeah. You add on defense or you add in net or you make the coaching change.
2: Yeah. And you might do both, right? You might add and do a coaching change. And I think Philly might actually trade some guys here. So, um, you know, maybe you my at the be same higher. time,
3: those two yeah. things sort of balance each other out. Yeah. And if you get a new coaching bump, as we've seen, the Oilers, the Wild, how many teams have been much better since making a coaching change? I wouldn't rule out the possibility of it. Well, those two, but then there's the Islanders and the other teams. But um,
2: I'll say this about the Devils: I think they get in because of Flyers. But uh, you know what? I, I think they would. Uh, I I wouldn't give them much chance against Carolina or the Rangers. I'll say
3: that. So you think they might get in because of the Flyers, but you only have them at thirty percent.
2: Yeah, well, injuries, whatever, and I still, you know what? I'm not. I don't know why, but I'm still not sold on on ruling out the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is probably really stupid of me. I'll admit it uh, openly, but uh, um, yeah, the, like the Pens, the Pens are actually better than the Devils right now, uh, so that's why I'm only giving them 30 because the Pens are two points back, the Devils with three games in hand.
0: Yeah, if the Penguins win all their games in hand, they would actually pass the Philadelphia Flyers. So games in hand only means something if you win them, and it's not like this Pittsburgh team well, should be trusted to win them, but still. Huh.
3: You you have Sid though have a night like Sunday four point game like it's it is really hard to rule them out. Yes, He's trying to do everything he can to put that team on his back so that they do get in. I'm I'm with you though. Like I don't care what the metrics or underlying numbers say. I don't even really care what the standings say. I think we've seen enough from the Penguins to know what they are. But it's yeah. a weird. Weird third
1: third
0: play like they're in the right division because no other division would they have a chance to finish third. Yeah. All right. uh, Last one. We'll go out west. Similar line of question, but instead it's a team that's getting hot. It's the Calgary Flames, a BOA win on the weekend. They've won three in a row, seven and three in their last 10 games. They are. Five points back of the final wild card spot in the Western Conference. Our friends at Patano have them at plus 350 or a 22% chance of making the playoffs. I will ask you guys, though. The Calgary Flames have a blank percent chance of making the playoffs, Jason.
2: Sorry, Flame fans, I'll say one because Ooh. they're going to trade guys off. And uh, yes, they're winning, but Nashville's won five in a row. The team they're chasing is, uh, is heated up at the exact same time. Uh, there's the blues and the wild in between them. They're going to trade guys off. Uh, I say, I say, I'll say 1% chance. Cause uh, you're telling me there's a chance, but I think it's pretty low.
3: I'm going to say 10 I think if the Flames keep Markstrom, I wonder if there's a chance that they could have their cake and eat it too. Trade all these guys away, pull a Nashville Predators from last year, scrap till the very end, and maybe just maybe get in in the final week. <laughs> it's a long shot, which is why I said 10. Yeah, But it's a straight up pillow fight for the eighth seed. And yeah. I, I also think... I mean, I, I like the wild right there too. Yeah, no, the wild are right in there. They're
2: the, they're seven, two and one, the flames are seven and three. So they've actually flames have actually lost a point on Minnesota here in their last 10 games and they played really well. So, and I don't see Minnesota trading off Frank. I, I, I really don't. I don't see them trading flurry. I don't see, well, no, I wouldn't if flurry, be shocked. If, if, flurry I wouldn't be shocked if, the- if Bill Guerin added something small. I wouldn't be surprised at all by that.
3: Flurry came out over the weekend in the athletic and said, Minnesota's my, my team. Yeah. So he's not going anywhere. It seems. And I wouldn't be shocked if they traded Brandon Duhame, though. Mm-hmm. I believe the Vancouver Canucks are
0: very interested. In mm-hmm. Who the hell don't the Vancouver Canucks want right now? I
3: know it's crazy. <laughs> They're in on everything.
0: All right. That is a wrap traders in the league. That is a wrap on this week's edition of fill in the blank as always delivered by DoorDash.
3: Let's let's wrap with this because we got to run uh, Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Daily Survivor dot com new week, new game. But one word to describe Matt Rempy's first week. Well, it's our last fill in the blank. Oh, gosh. Um
2: you now pretty electrifying for him, but my goodness, man, I don't think he has to take on every heavyweight in the first week. God, he's taking some big shots. I like it, but um, yeah. Or maybe play a little bit of defense in those fights. Holy cow. It's just, uh, you know, you hit me and I hit you and it's exciting to watch, but whew, that is a tough way to make your NHL uh, debut in the week, but it's been unreal for him from an outdoor game to some huge tilts. Yeah. Like the Ranger fans are loving him. He's a cult hero. There's no question about it early on.
3: Game-winning goal. I mean, I know it's, he said it's the ugliest first NHL goal anyone Who scores, cares? but game winner in Philly, a game they to keep their streak going. I know they lost it to the Blue Jackets. What was what was that game growing up? Was it called Rock'em Sock'em Robots, where you would just like keep pounding the thing and the the, the one blue guy and the one red guy yes. would just keep punching each other in the face? Oh yeah, that's kind of what it feels like watching the Rempire State Building, which is an elite nickname. But, yeah, I'm with you. Like, all I could think of was uh, some CTE after that week. Yeah, well, I watched the replays again. There
2: was the thing – I know we always jump to the CTE conclusion, um, but if they talk about how it's repeated over and over, like lots of them, and the, there's lots of punches thrown. There was a few that land for sure, but you know what? one or two punches isn't going to lead to CTE. I think we all, I'm always cautious about wanting to jump to that conclusion. But It it
3: becomes a self perpetuating, you know, thing where he, he does what he does in the stadium series, big stage, everyone sees it. Then they, it's all anyone was talking about on Saturday was the fight that he had with Deloria. So naturally some guy on the blue jackets is trying to make a name for himself. And he's going to try and, make Rempe drop the gloves in it. And he's trying to make a name for himself in the NHL. He's trying to be, create a steady job living for himself. So he's going to take on all comers just because he has to, yeah. even though that's probably not really what he is. Uh, the now, good news
2: for him though, Frank, there's probably maybe
3: 10 guys total in the league that would But it. But everyone wants a piece of him now is my point. And then when you stop answering the bell, then people are like, oh, what are you, soft? Like, think about the position that, I mean, Nicolas Delorier essentially emasculated him in warm-ups. Stood over him and was like, we need to fight today. I don't know the exact words, but said, yeah, let's, we need to fight today. Yeah, no, yeah. standing over yeah. him. Like, what? you have no choice. You have, you're six foot seven, you have to answer, answer the bell. Yeah. That's a tough spot to be in. And I I just think it's, I think at some point it's unfair that that's the path. But well, I'll say this. That's why to me,
2: somebody in the Rager organization pulls them aside. Hey, Matt, guess what? You know what? We don't care about the outside noise. I'm telling you, we don't care. We see you, you can play this guy, you don't have to fight and tell him that. and, And then it's like, all right. Now, maybe he does anyway in the heat of the moment, but I think there is imperative. Maybe some of the organization already did say that. But you can say, "Hey, kid, you don't have to take on every single. You're not the heavyweight champ yet. You just came in the league, for God's sakes. Well, Usually, you're the guy who's going up against the heavyweight champ to try to make a name for yourself."
3: At six foot seven, he might be the new heavyweight champ.
2: Yeah, maybe. Like, there's Reeves is still pretty damn tough. Like, well, know, sorry, kind of Reeves long. would have
3: to play first. Yeah, uh, well, okay, fair point. And then the next thing would be, I don't know. I think he's lost a bit of his edge. That's just me. Yeah. All talk, no game. Yeah. There's
2: just not a lot of guys. Like, it's funny. Like, he just, you know, Delorie is legit. Like, he, yeah, yeah. Toe to toe. Yeah. Like, you go around the league, how many guys would really do it? There's not, there's some, but there's not many. That's all. Like, it's, it's not like it was in the eighties and nineties where every team had three guys, for God's sakes. Yeah. It's crazy. So, nuts. Frankie, have yourself a great week. Remember, go to dailyfaceoff.com for the uh, Wendy Survivor Pool. And uh, we're going to see, Frank, I'm, so, I'm going to come out of retirement for this week and see how I do. <laughs>
3: About time. Yeah. Thanks for
2: listening to the DFO Rundown with Voli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com
1: and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. <laughs> That's the sound of another sale on Shopify in store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com retail 23. Shopify.com retail 23.